In this episode of the Macworld Podcast, we continue our discussion of the Apple Vision Pro. Whether it's worth your money, it's place in the Apple ecosystem, and more. Stay tuned and get all the details coming right up. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola, here with Jason Cross. Good morning. And Michael Simon. Hello, sir. On last week's show, Jason talked about his hands-on experience with the Apple Vision Pro, like how to use it, how it works, stuff like that. Uh, Jason's review posted today, and that's Tuesday, February 13th, for those of you who are listening. Uh, And so in this show, we're talking about what the Vision Pro gets right, what it needs to work on, whether you should buy one, what it means for Apple, and other things that were covered in Jason's review. So, Jason, you spent, what, about a week with the Vision Pro? Yeah, before before writing the review, I, I, I'd say it's a solid week. To be clear, that's sort of its first week on sale, right? Like, it's, it's not to say if you got one three months from now, if you're listening to this in May – your first week may not be like my first week because of software updates and changes. And just to give listeners some background, you've used other VR headsets before, yes? Oh, yeah. Uh, going back to the original Oculus Rift and then PlayStation VR and the first – what they originally called Oculus Quest and then they changed them all to Meta. They dumped the Oculus brand and the Meta Quest and even up to the Meta Quest 3, which is – the current sort of best popular product out there and the closest thing in the sense that it's a VR headset with video pass through and stuff like that. Your perspective isn't just as you're looking at it from an Apple ecosystem point of view. You also have used other headsets. So you kind of have a good scope of what to expect. Yeah. It's, it's clear that Meta has got the biggest ecosystem out there. So that's probably your clearest indication of what's different between Apple and everybody else's. They've got years of building an app ecosystem and everything, whereas Apple's just – it really is just starting out. Before Vision Pro went on sale, Apple promoted, touted, celebrated um, about uh, – they said more than 600 native Vision Pro apps. But um, in reading your review and your experience – there's very few of them that really are Vision Pro experiences. They're just kind of redesigned or, or retooled to work with Vision Pro. But it's not like when we went from iPhone apps to iPad apps and all of a sudden the iPad opened up all these new experiences, all these new menus, and it was bigger. And it's just now they're here. Yeah, if there's any sort of major complaint, if there's a, there's a reason – my review is three and a half stars. Uh, and, and if there's any particular reason, it's because there's no killer app. There's no thing that's like, you can really only do this in spatial computing. Like it, it ha- you have to have spatial computing for this. Like most of the experience of using the Vision Pro is floating windows that you anchor into space around you. They're like, here, I'm going to float an iPad app here. Obviously, all of the the sort of there's a section of compatible apps. There's a whole there are thousands, actually something like a million iPad apps because you had to opt out to not have your iPad app available. But even the spatial apps, like I love Carrot Weather, I think it's a great app, but it's 
essentially an iPad app <laughs> floating in a window. There's a cool global weather view that pulls up a globe and you can peek and like, you know, like look at the weather radar around the globe. But that's not an actual useful weather tool at all. That's just like, a, oh, neat. And then you never open that again. There's just no practical purpose for it being it. A spatial app versus something on your phone or your iPad. And most of the apps feel that way. There's just so much stuff out there that this could be an iPad app. Like there's, there's, and it would be faster and easier to use because looking at stuff, looking at interface elements with your eyes and then pinching to select them isn't faster and easier than the multi touch we have on all our screens now or your keyboard and touch trackpad. And the entertainment aspect is, is the only place they're really doing great like the the 3d video and stuff the the spatial videos and those are fantastic those are gorgeous even flat video in a virtual theater these screens are great quality but everybody's been doing this for years watching a video on the moon is is not something that you haven't been able to do on a quest for years now right and they're even kind of behind on that because the very limited selection of spatial videos that are available in the Apple TV app. It's kind of all you get. There's a ton of good VR video out there on the web, but their Safari doesn't support it. You can't run anything other than Safari. There's a WebXR standard that they, they have turned off in Safari. And you can, if you know how to set flags in Safari, you can kind of go in there and turn it on, but then it's kind of broken and wonky. So all the YouTube VR videos and Deo VR videos, those don't work. If you would want to download side-by-side or, or top-and-bottom 3D videos from somewhere and play them, there are some a couple third-party apps that are supposed to do that. They're kind of broken right now, so that's not really a good exp- – you know, they got a ways to go. Do you get the sense that uh, – uh, what is it? Web, Web VX, WebX, what is it called? I, I think it's WebXR is the uh, web standard for this stuff. Yeah. Do you think not including that is – Kind of like how Apple approached Flash on the iPhone, or is it just something that they weren't happy with yet, and they're they're gonna at some point turn it on? I, I remember reading something about how it, it's that they're not happy with it because of the standard doesn't include something about hand occlusion or some something that the Vision Pro does that's not a part of the standard, and and they're not happy with that, and they want the standard to be better before they implement it, or. Regardless of the reason, it cuts you off from uh, a flood of VR video that exists on the web that you just you can't watch it. So there's no like security thing that they can hang this on. Like you know, like, again, I bring up Flash. Like Steve Jobs, everyone said the iPhone has to have Flash or else it's going to fail. And Steve Jobs was adamant. He wrote about it. He defended it, and you know, and it ended up being the death of Flash. Essentially, you don't think that's what's happening here? Oh, I don't think it can. The idea that like VR video is not going to be something you stream on the web, I think it's just crazy. <laughs> could they come out with their own kind of codec to make it? Yeah, work? I'm sure they could come up with it. It's not really a codec thing. It's like a it's like a standard about how it's. I mean, we're splitting hairs. We're getting technical. They could come up with their own standard. Sure, I don't know that. I it may be just way too late for that. And this is not the the situation of like flash, like it killed your battery. It was a security nightmare, all this other stuff. This isn't like that. This is VRML things. There's 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 cool websites that you can go to now that do have 3D objects embedded that you can literally pull out of the web page and and look at in 3D because they support the right format, the right sort of 3D object format, and those work in Vision Pro if you 
if it's the right, right this is the equivalent of that for video it's it's just not there yet it's just one of the things where it's just like this just doesn't feel like a mature product regardless of what you want to do with it whether it's work with apps or use it as an form of uh, entertainment there are still a lot of limitations yes that mm-hmm. you have to deal with on the entertainment side there are there are format and availability limitations. You can't use the type of videos you guys were talking about that are widely out there. You're basically limited to what to Apple's offerings. For the most part, yeah. And then on the apps, the productivity side, the apps are limited. And even if you have an app, using that app, is it too easy to say that the Vision Pro isn't a productivity tool yet? I think for most people, it's not. I think you feel like it's going to be the first time. Like you start opening up windows around you and you're like, look, I have all these things. I have a messages floating thing over there and a notes floating thing over there and word over here, whatever. And you feel like, look, look, it's like you feel like a productivity god because there's like all this stuff open at once around you. But it is nothing like having multiple monitors or even using sort of the Mac versions of these things. Like there's word. It's like the iPad version of Word, but once you start trying to use it, you're like, well, the keyboard's terrible, so I need a separate keyboard. And it's very hard to select text with the look and pinch thing, so I, I kind of need a trackpad too. Then I'm just using the iPad version of Word, and it's really absolutely no better than using the iPad version of Word. There's nothing about it where like spatial makes me so much more productive in Word or Excel or, or, or any of these other things. And having all these things open around you just makes you have to like turn your head around and look at all these different windows where you can just have different windows open on, on a Mac or an iPad or whatever. You just swap between them. The most productive thing that it does is the Mac virtual display, where even that's limited because it your, your Mac's display goes blank. It replaces your Mac. It's not an additional display. It replaces your Mac display with a new floating virtual display. And then you could put other stuff around it. That's kind of damning with faint praise, right? That's just like the best thing it can do is be a, like a replacement monitor for your Mac, not an additional monitor. It doesn't add functionality. It just gives you right. your, your actual Mac desktop in a larger, in a resizable virtual monitor. There are circumstances where you're very space constrained, uh, where that would be like on a, a plane or a train or like you're in a tiny little cubicle or something like that at work or whatever you, and you don't want to work on your little 13 inch laptop screen. Like there are specific instances where that's very useful, but for the most part, it's like, well, uh, you're just way better off getting another monitor and having two displays and it's way cheaper. <laughs> well, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it doesn't add a display that you can't do two, that there's no really sort of productivity enhancement. And then the reason that's such a productivity boost is because all the Mac apps that you use to be productive are just way better than the Vision Pro versions of any of those apps. An example I brought up in the review is as a test, I was working on stuff. I had my Mac going. Universal control works awesome. It's cool to like look out, just look in your Mac and, and your Mac's uh, trackpad and and uh, keyboard work and all the other apps your mouse does not. But as a test, I just looked over at the Safari window. I said, I'll order some wings for lunch to be delivered. And I went to the wing stop site and I'm selecting my menu and I'm just using the thing. Thank God for autofill for like credit mm-hmm. card numbers and Apple pay checkout and stuff like that. 
at the end of, and I did it, it was fine. But at the end of the day, I, it would have been much faster to use my phone, using my eyes and pinching and zooming and choosing items on the site and stuff like that. It's, it's not faster and easier than all the things that we have now. And there was certainly no reason to do it in a spatial environment as opposed to popping open a new window tab on my Mac or anything like that. It's like super cool. You're like, oh, this is so cool. I feel it feels like the future. I feel so productive because I've got this other thing over here, but it's not any faster and easier. It's not really better. You're not really more productive. So it's just like once the super coolness wears off, you're like, well, what is this? This is what, what, what am I doing in this that I can't, just can't do anywhere else other than just putting things in new places? It's not a lot other than the entertainment stuff. When I, when I, as I read your review, it, it like I got the sense that this is really built for a time and that time might be a decade away when we're wearing it all the time and we don't have a Mac, a, a watch and a phone. And we're doing like we like the thing you just described. We're doing that because that's that's the interface. Like so now, you know, like, oh, I want to get food now. So I'm gonna go over here and do 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 and I'm done and then I'm gonna go back over here. And like that's the primary screen in our life is Vision Pro. And we're like nowhere near there. And maybe we'll never get there. I think there's plenty of room for there to be a lot of value for it. Yeah. Even before we get there. This is not really a, a device meant to be used outside. You see a ton of it online, right. but right. Windows don't follow you. When when you open an app, it is anchored to that space, yeah. to, to a place in the place in the world. And as you walk, you leave it behind. <laughs> so all these videos you see of people walking around, swiping and moving their hands in the air and stuff like that, they are not doing anything. <laughs> like it does not work like that. <laughs> like the second or third day, um, there was like a joke video of somebody using it, using maps to walk around and like they were holding the vin- the window. Yeah, like, you have to hold the like, window. You have to right, grab like that the was a joke. Like they, they had to pinch bar. and hold it as they walked around so it stayed in front of them. They also probably didn't talk discuss about like how they didn't have an internet connection unless they tethered well that tethered that unless too. they like yeah, hotspot because it has yeah, no yeah. cellular. So you have right. to like Wi-Fi hotspot to your phone or something like that. It, it, it is just it's meant to be some a thing you use stationary. I wouldn't say necessarily right. indoors. It could be a stationary outdoor thing like in your backyard or something like that. But that's what it's meant for. And so step one is they do need to make this portable. And that's there's an easy software fix of you know I imagine double tapping the grab bar and then it just anchors to your position. That and cellular, and <laughs> you've got the, that's that's pretty well fixed. There's a lot of stuff where I kind of wish something worked a little more like Google Glass, where it's a heads-up display. It stays in your vision. Can I put a clock widget that just stays floating near the top of my screen or bottom or wherever I put it and is there all the time? All the widgets, all the all the lock screen widgets on your phone. I would love a version of that that I can just float up at the top and it stays in my vision and it can fade out in a fully immersive thing or something like that but just everywhere i turn my head it's just there right yeah that seems like a like a slam dunk vision 2.0 feature like something that maybe they thought of maybe they talked about and they said all right in this first one let's really focus on spatial computing and how getting people used to the idea that these windows can't be anchored everywhere and it's an all-over device but 
I think the next because I think if you if they would have added that now, it maybe undermines the whole concept of what they're trying to do. Uh, it's you know not unlike iPhone not having an app store to start with. Like get to know the device and what what it what we want what our vision is of it is for, and then we'll expand it to all these other like kind of customized things that that we need to do. I feel I feel like the first thing they really. I mean, they could do this in a point one release or something like that. It's just letting it have the ability to anchor a window yeah. to relative to the device's position. Yeah. Like it would, it wouldn't, it wouldn't uh, stay in your view. It doesn't turn with you. It's just like as you walk across the room, it follows you. Right. That the the app stays relative to position you, and you would set that. You would just lock lock a put a little lock button on the other side of the grab bar or something like any kind of interface for that. That would be the first most useful thing. Uh, yep. It is really weird to launch an app and not see it because it was yeah. really still kind of running in the background. It was kind of it's like when you just go back to the home screen on your iPhone. Those those apps are kind of like frozen and still there. Mm-hmm. And you're just reactivating them, but it's still anchored like where you had it running in the kitchen or wherever the other room. So you're looking around, going like, "Well, where's my Safari window? Where did I put? Oh, yeah. oh, it's it's way over there." <laughs> like, cause you just launched it, but it's it's 20 feet away because that's where it was anchored, and you have to bring it up. And there's a press and hold the digital crown to uh, to recenter things around you the mm-hmm. current app around you, but that's just the current app. There's no equivalent of mission control. Just like, Hey, bring all my apps here, bring all my apps here and like put them all around me so I can just reposition myself right here. There's no function for that. Or I mean, really non-existent based on what you're described. Yeah. You just grab, you can just grab the bar and move it around. The app management is a, there's a, the first screen is fixed and then after that, the, the, as you swipe across your apps, it's just alphabetical order. You can't make folders and do anything. Can't remove the, move them. And it really needs some sort of input. That USB-C port on the power brick is just for power. It would be really handy if it passed data through. If you use a physical security key, you're out of luck. Right, which is crazy because Apple supports that on the Apple ID, like verification and stuff. Yeah, you just it just you know you've got to go ahead and use a two-factor authentication app or something like that. Um, no microphones or audio interfaces. I can imagine a million ways people want to add their creative apps, their their apps to edit and and, and make music and do all that other stuff. And we think they're thinking of all these great spatial interfaces for all this stuff. And there's already some cool stuff out there with like virtual synthesizers. Well, but you want to plug in a mic or an audio interface, you're out of luck. HDMI input would be awesome. Like I would love to plug in a game console or something like that and and play it on a giant screen in a virtual theater. Do other headsets have that capability? Oh like yeah. PlayStation VR and Oculus and stuff. Well, PlayStation VR is it's literally that's strictly, strictly PlayStation hooks up, okay. to, hooks up to a PlayStation stuff. But the, all the Oculus stuff you can plug into your computer and do all the Steam VR stuff, and you can you know plug in other inputs or or external storage, and you know there's all this there's support for all this sort of side. I don't call it side loading, but like using stuff that's not strictly from the store, just kind of this hacker hacking stuff and all. 
And, and I don't expect Apple to do that, but it would be great to have at least the level of USB-C support that is on, say, an iPad Pro. Like on this thing, I could, I can imagine a million great things they're missing out on because we can't do any of that. You get the sense that Apple is going to allow that? Oh, I had no idea. It, it feels like it can't be the, like a, a major tentpole platform for them with no way to plug anything into it. Even just to do the stuff that, that Apple is trying to be the center of, like creation apps, like, you know, arts and entertainment apps, audio editing and then recording and, you know, all that kind of stuff. What do you, how am I, how am I going to do that? I'm definitely not going to just use the built-in microphones to record music, right? With like a Bluetooth, I know AirPods work. You you mentioned in your review that a mouse a mouse doesn't, which is which is weird. Doesn't even work with universal control. If you have a Bluetooth mouse connected to your Mac, it does not go off the Mac screen and work with the spatial apps. I think that's probably a uh, temporary situation. I, I imagine some some future OS update will allow that to work. But and I wonder if like Bluetooth accessory support will expand to microphones to you know third-party headphones things like this i bet it, it probably already is like if i wonder if it could use the mic on your airpods i haven't i didn't really look at what which audio audio input it's using that's useless if you're doing music recording we talked about some of the limitations with the vision pro but what are some of the things that it's doing really well for a 1.0 product there's a lot of little things, but you can all wrap them up under the umbrella of fidelity. You don't get this sense of this watching the videos online. You see all these videos online of people doing floating windows and stuff with their Quest 3, and they're like, look, you don't need to spend 35 minutes. It is not the same as when you're yeah. looking through the device at all. The sharpness and clarity, there is no screen door effect at all. It's not minimized. It's just not there. You can see this in the screenshots. They do foveated rendering where wherever your eyes are looking are rendered perfectly sharp and it gets blurrier away further away from your eyes and does that to keep the frame rate up and, and be able to render super, super high resolution. You don't really see that unless you move your eyes super fast. Like sometimes you can kind of catch it out of the corner of your eye, but they're ahead of everybody else. The eye tracking is just, you've never seen it like that. It just, it, it feels like it just works. It's really, really good. It's really accurate. It takes a little getting used to, to stay looking at something while you activate it because we don't, our brains don't work that way. So that's a little bit of a uh, learning curve there. It's not because you're not, it, it can't track your eyes. That works. The security stuff, they're way ahead on the optic ID is great. It, it's a little more flaky than face ID. Like sometimes you have to reposition the headset if it's a little off. Like it's not going to get a really good reading, but that they have it. Like they're so far, that's so far ahead of competitors <laughs> to have a biometric for this. Way back, maybe the Galaxy S9 or something. Samsung introduced mm -hmm. um, iris scanning. Is this different than that? Yeah, that was really uh, easy to fool. Like, yeah, yeah first of all, that was that. really yeah. easy to fool. This is different than that. The same in that, like, it's scanning your eye, quote unquote, but like that was trash. I mean, we, you know, it didn't work because it's gone. They got rid of it. Yeah. 
this works. And of course, you need something like that because you've got this thing covering your eyes. You can't use a face ID or something like that. It has no controllers. There are many times when I wish it did. There are experiences where you would want to move around in the VR environment, what Apple calls, quote, fully immersive environments, where, well, how am I going to move around without like thumbsticks or something? You can only take a few steps in either direction safely in, in VR. So there are all these sort of apps and games where you would kind of walk around in an environment. On other platforms, you use the stick and you just kind of on your handheld thing. There is nothing that there's no buttons. It's all hand tracking. That's kind of awkward and limiting. There's no feedback. There's no haptics. So, so there, there are times when I wish they had that. Like I can't imagine playing a virtual golf game or tennis game and just like not feeling the contact at all. Like not having a little haptic. Vibration. That seems like the kind of, like the kind of Apple thing they could do. Kind of like the typing on the iPhone, like the, like that, like their, their, their haptics, their understanding of like the digital and the real world would work really well here if they could figure out how to do it elegantly with a controller. I'm sure they did not have or want any kind of MFI spec for handheld controllers at first because they want to make sure that like, hey, this isn't how you control this thing. You control it with your hands. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. Yep. And they're way ahead of everybody else on that too. Their hand tracking is much better than everyone yeah. else. Their, their video pass-through uh, for seeing the real world it's not good enough, but it's still way better than everybody else's. It needs to get better, especially in low light. It gets very grainy, but it's latency. Like they have that whole R1 processor taking all the sensors, doing all the fusion and making sure that the pass through video gets to your eyes in a less than 12 milliseconds. It, that's a really, a lot of really hard technical work and it works. It works great. It's on the software and app side. And then just on things like, it needs to be lighter. It's not an especially heavy headset, but it's all hanging out there on the end of this face gasket. <laughs> it's not balanced around your head. It's it's all out there. So it kind of – you have to have pressure on your face to keep it in place. Um, in your review, you, you mentioned that um, it's I – mean, not just your review, every review. It's 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 heavy. Like that, the front of that thing weighs, you know, three, 400 grams. It's 600 grams. 600 – between 6 and 650 depending on the strap, you know, whatever. Right. The battery is – the battery is 300. In, in using it for a couple hours at a time, um, for one, how does it – like, how does your neck feel? How does it – you know, has the comfort level? And also, how does the battery um, – la- how, how long does it last when you're doing just normal computing stuff? Yeah. You easily get the two, two and a half hours promised uh, out of the battery not and not much more. As far as comfort goes, I don't think the batter- the the battery pack being external was the right move. It doesn't kind of get in your way and it's fine. It's much better than trying to integrate the battery at this point. It's just that their their pathological aversion to plastic makes the the visor part heavier. And because all the weight is there out on out in front of your face, in order to keep it from wobbling around on your face as you turn your head and stuff, you have to have a certain amount of tension on that gasket. And that's the the most sort of long-term uncomfortable part is this foam thing like pushing against your face. That and just like the displays are great and they can go bright and have good HDR. And at some point, just having like displays an inch from your eyes beaming light into your eyes is like fatiguing. <laughs> but you can, you can wear it for a couple of hours. Once you kind of get the fit settled in and stuff, wearing it for a couple of hours isn't a big deal, but I would be so tired of wearing that thing all day. 
I would recommend taking breaks. <laughs> but some of that's just kind of eye fatigue of like having screens right in yeah. front of your eyeballs. When I was a kid, my parents would always yell at me if I ever got too close to the TV. There was no VR when yeah. you were a kid, Roman. <laughs> well, no, when I got too close to the TV, because yeah. they would say I would ruin my eyes. And I think it, yeah. my eyes got ruined regardless of what, how close. But so you said you've experienced fatigue with uh, some fatigue. You didn't experience anything more to that, like due to the strobing or? I'm not especially susceptible to sort of VR motion sickness, but there's not a lot of stuff available now where you would experience that because the fully immersive uh, things, like I said, they don't have a lot of you're moving, but you're sta- sitting still that like disassociation because there's no controllers and stuff. You're, you're, you're mostly standing in one place. There are a few of the immersive VR videos where like you're on a helicopter and it's moving. So, but it's all very fluid and smooth. They do a good job of screen refresh and all that other kind of stuff just to make sure that you don't feel a lot of motion sickness. And and I've seen that reports from other people, people who experience motion sickness in VR who say, hey, I didn't really feel it in this. I do get motion sickness pretty easily. And I did some of my 20 minute demo, whatever it was, not yeah. not a slight, not the slightest bit. And I, I have felt it in short, like even just short experiences with other headsets. Having the pass through video when you're in the augmented reality part where you see your environment around you, that goes a long way to combating that motion sickness feeling. You're really only going to feel it when you're in VR, in what Apple calls a fully immersive environment, where your physical body motion doesn't necessarily match what's happening (laughs) in, in what your eyes are seeing. And that mismatch really can make you feel queasy, but it's so far, they don't have a lot of experiences like that. So, and maybe that's intended. Maybe Apple's making sure App developers focus on things like uh, the Fruit Ninja game or something where you see your environment. When I did the demo, I also tend to get motion sickness. There was one part, and I can't remember what the part was, where I did start to feel like, whoa, something might be happening here with me in terms of like <laughs> getting a little queasy. But it, it did go away after I like focused on something else that I was looking at during the demo. So it was a passing moment. I always wonder if if I wear it for longer, if I would start to experience it. So yeah, if you ever experience that when you're in VR, don't try and power through it. It just makes it worse <laughs> and it lasts longer. Yeah. Just take it off, take the headset off, and give yourself a couple minutes yeah. and put yeah. it back on. You do get acclimated to this over time, even if you're a person who who suffers this sort of thing, but. It's, it hasn't been a serious problem with Vision Pro, but I think that it ha- owes as much to the kind of content to, that's available as anything else. The ultimate question is, if someone asks you about a recommendation, should they go buy one? What would you say? I mean, my easy answer is no. Obviously, the price is huge. That's going to mean different things to different people. Everyone's in a different financial situation. But even if you're a dedicated Apple fan, early adopter who wants the first early versions of things. I think you can wait for some software updates to find out if not vision OS two this fall, then at least some further software updates that improve things like personas that add some things like being able to anchor windows to you or something, you know, and just a better app ecosystem. There are 600 apps. A lot of the apps that you know and love aren't among them. 
And a lot of the apps that are there are a little basic. They're a little flaky. They need to do more. They need to do more better. They need to be more stable. You can wait. And for everybody who's for whom $3,500 seems like a lot of money, you can definitely wait for the next hardware. Like if you, if you're in a position where you need to like consider the purchase and save for it, then just don't do it. Like wait, because what you're, you're spending your money on something that's for one, not quite ready yet. It's cool. And it's, it's, it's the technology is amazing, but by the time it's ready, you're going to need to buy another one because there's hardware issues and there's, you know, the chip is going to get better. Like there's things that are going to change. If you're talking about like iPad one versus iPad three or iPhone versus iPhone four, the iPhone, the first iPhone got all those updates. The, the first iPod did all the same stuff. Like this is going to be by generation three or four of Vision Pro, it's going to be more powerful, more more capable, and different. Just generally different. Yeah, than I hesitate to right look now. back on history as a way that this is going to move forward because, first of all, it's a completely different interaction model. Like phones were around, so smartphones were around before the iPhone. The iPad was a big iPhone. We understood touching and multi-touch. Like this is a this is a different thing. And and some of it is going to be just figuring out how interfaces should work and how things should be yeah. handled differently. Um, but the other is that just Apple's a completely different company than they were when they launched any of this stuff. Like even the even Apple Watch, but like they're many times larger. They have acquired an enormous amount of technology and other companies. Uh, they're building their own chips now. I mean, like they're in a completely different place. So maybe version two is like a completely different animal. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's not three or four generations down the line or something. We I I hesitate to like just go like, well, this is how it happened in the past, because we are definitely not in the past. Like <laughs> Apple is not not the same company and this is not the same kind of product. Yeah, but even if uh, it's the second generation, like Yeah, wait. Like, like the hardware needs to change. Yeah, the hardware is gonna be different. For most people, the hardware needs to change. And even if you're the kind of person for whom thirty five hundred or four thousand dollars is could be an impulse buy for a technology fan, there's some significant software updates that kind of need to happen. First, I can't wait to yep. see what they do with Vision OS 2, especially if we're talking about all the AI stuff that Apple's building into like iOS and, and all that we, we assume they're building and we see all the research they're doing, mm -hmm. all this. Imagining what they can do running sort of these sort of AI models on this device to identify objects and, and do things with that information in, in clever ways. Like it's really cool. Like you can, you can see how AI can make this much more useful because of, because of the limited input capability. That may be a time when somebody who's got $3,500 to spend and, and is an early adopter goes like, all right, now it's really worth it. And maybe it's even before then. Maybe Vision OS 1.3. Plus a much better app ecosystem is enough for you. But today, today's product that you can go up by today, that's what we review. <laughs> it's not, it's very impressive. I think the ultimate, I was, I almost subtitled the review this because it's the, the way to distill it down into the fewest words is to say it's very impressive, but not very good. It's more impressive than it is good right now. And, and impressive goes a long way. Impressive makes a very exciting first hour, right, of using it. 
But then it's once the impressive starts to wear off and you're trying to get things done or you're playing games and you go like, well, there's there's no fully immersive VR games. You're looking at stuff on other platforms. You're like, you know, this is really kind of far behind. <laughs> you know, yeah. The quality is great. It's super impressive. But is, is it good? Yeah. Well, it sounds to me that for the price, it's not that the Vision Pro is a broken product or a poorly executed product or a bad product. It's an immature product. Yes, it's immature. For $3,500, your investment is probably better off waiting a couple generations or maybe just one generation so you get more for your money. The product will be more mature than the uh, software will be more mature. You'll get more out of the product for what you're paying for. Yeah, even at even if it was 1999. Yeah, that, that was going to be my question. If it was like, how, what would your thoughts be if it was 1999? Same same rating. Like I, it, it's it's not worth two thousand dollars right now because of the software issues. Because it's. Like at no at no price is does it really make you more productive except in those narrow slices where it's like I really need a bigger Mac display than the one I'm using. You have to sit in front of your Mac. The sound comes out of your Mac still, even when you're doing the virtual display. It's so interesting that it doesn't work with the speakers on the Vision Pro. Yeah, and you and you've got to use your Mac's keyboard and touchpad. So it's like you 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 don't get to like sit on the couch and Mac from the other room or something. No, it's a a replacement bigger display for your Mac. If that's useful for you, that's its best productivity thing. Nothing else is making you actually get stuff done better or faster yet. And and as an entertainment device, the quality is great, but like the options are really limited right now. There's not many games. The VR video situation is very limited. Yeah. I mean, like even at a lower price, my – Answer is wait, wait for a more mature software environment. In, unless it's like, <laughs> you're like me, like it's your job to do this, or you're building apps for it, or you're doing research into how we can use this for medical imaging or something. Like you've got very specific and narrow windows of like how this is a product you should buy. Or you want to draw attention to yourself on social media. Right. <laughs> like it's a marketing tool for you, right? I mean, yeah, there's yeah, for, sure. you, for your personal brand. Well, we just kind of scratched the surface in terms of Jason's review of the Vision Pro. Uh, you can read his full in-depth review on MacWorld.com. You'll find it on our homepage, and I'll also put a link to it in our show notes. So go check that out. That does it for this episode of the MacWorld Podcast, episode 874. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast in the podcast app on Spotify or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or contact us through X, that's at Macworld, or on threads, that's at Macworld underscore HQ, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time.